Hello, Chris. Morning, Jason. Well, good morning, indeed. It's not uh, Friday. It's not Friday, and it's not uh, afternoon. This is this is <laughs> un, uncharted territory for us. I know. That's uh, good. So t- Today we are joined by a special guest, uh, one we are both very excited to have on the show, and I will let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. I'm Eileen Uchatel. You can find me online at Eileen Codes, and I work at GitHub on the App Systems team. Uh, that team is responsible for Rails and Ruby and our open source libraries and making sure that they all work smoothly for our application. Awesome. Uh, how long have you been with GitHub now? Uh, almost exactly two years. It was two years on January 10th. Awesome. Uh, how is, how is life at GitHub post, uh, Microsoft? It's good. I really like Nat. He has a good vision for GitHub and, uh, Microsoft's not really that involved. So, you know, we're operating independently. So not too much has changed. The stuff that has changed has been for the, the good Awesome. That's, uh, I guess that's the best you can ask for. Yep. Uh, so just wanted to kind of chat with you, uh, learn more about, uh, you as a person and programmer. Um, so I I guess I'll just kind of jump into it. Uh, how long, how long now have you been programming? Oh, I don't know. 10 years. Okay. Uh, maybe 11. I don't, I don't know. I get I think 11 years. It depends on whether or not you count Flash action script as <laughs> <Sure>. coding. <laughs> uh, what, so I guess what kind of led you into programming? Well, it was sort of accidental. I was a photography major in college, and I wanted to take this printmaking class, but it was full. So I was like, what fits in my schedule? <laughs> And there was a graphic design flash class. And I figured, well, what's the worst thing? I learned how to build myself a website. So I took that class and I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't really enjoy ActionScript. It's not a great language, but um, it was fun to like be able to do the visual and, and the programming side of stuff together. And so then I took another HTML and CSS class where... It wasn't very advanced. They were still teaching tables instead of divs, uh, which is weird. But um, it's weird to think about now that, but that was like everything when I learned HTML. Everything was tables still. Yeah, this also wasn't like a class taught by a programmer. It was a class taught by a designer who learned a little bit about programming. So it wasn't. It was sort of like afterwards. I was like, I want to learn more, and he's like, Well then you're a programmer and not a designer. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just a photographer, man. Like, I don't know. I just want to learn stuff. I don't understand why you're trying to put me in a box. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff after that, I, I taught myself uh, some more front end stuff. And then I taught myself WordPress and through WordPress PHP. And then I went to Big Nerd Ranch, which was, I think they're still around, but um, they were more just Ruby and Rails classes back in the day. And it was a week long intensive of two days of Ruby and five days of Rails. And so I'd like dabbled a little bit in Rails, but that's really what got me interested in Ruby and Rails and 
doing all that good stuff. And I abandoned WordPress <laughs> for Rails. Although WordPress is great for like some stuff. Uh, I, I've still actually built a WordPress site last year because it just made more sense for what I, we were doing. I actually agree. Uh, so my, my path's like very similar. Uh, HTML, CSS. Then I got into WordPress and PHP and then Ruby and Rails, like the, ex- the exact thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And like recently, like I moved my blog back to WordPress. And I was like, this just makes sense. Like it just, it works. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason I don't have my blog on WordPress was because I, I, so I used to have a Rails blog, but I just got tired of managing the server that it was on because I had, I built my own server for it. And that was fine when I was doing more ops stuff or I I had worked at an agency. I was doing everything. So from design to programming to the ops stuff. So that was fine when I was doing that. But then when I was doing Ruby full time, it just became too hard for me to like keep up with all of that stuff. And I actually spent like a couple of months working with one of my friends to build chef scripts to do it for me. And after a couple of months, I just went, sorry, dude, this is way too hard. And I'm just going to use Jekyll. Yeah. <laughs> I felt really bad when it was just, it was, it was months of this and it just became clear that I didn't have the skills to keep up with it. Uh, Cause it's just two totally different skill sets that you need to keep up with to be able to not have a vulnerable server. Right. And it was just too much work. Uh, I backtracking a little, uh, sorry, my wife keeps opening doors and my alarm goes off. Um, did, did you finish college like with the photography major? Yep. I have a BFA in photography. Awesome. Uh, have you like, do you keep, sorry, hold on. Do you keep photography around like, like as kind of like a side thing now, like passion project at all, or just mostly programming? Mostly programming. Um, I still have my camera, but I just feel like, I'm the kind of person that has, I'm either going to be really good at one thing, but I can't be mediocre at a lot of things. <laughs> that, yep. So I, I, that's why I actually got a new iPhone because I liked the camera and I figured, well, at least I could take better Instagram pictures. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, so you did the, it's Big Nerd Ranch, right? Is that the name? Yep. Uh, what, do you remember like what year that was you were doing that? Oh, I think that had to be 2011 or 2010, somewhere around then. Okay. Um, awesome. And so I guess from there, like it was just Ruby and Rails for you moving forward? Yeah. So I, at the time I was working at an agency that did a lot of different stuff. And there was some Ruby projects, but I really wanted to do product work and not not have a different project every week. Uh, I didn't. I learned a lot working at an agency and I think it's a really great way for someone who's a new programmer to figure out what they like to do because it's the kind of thing, especially if you're working at a small place where you can try everything. But once I figured out that I wanted to do Rails, I didn't want to do that kind of work anymore, especially because one week I'd be working on WordPress and the next week I'd be working on Rails or I wouldn't even see Rails for a few weeks and that's not what I wanted to do. So that's when I started applying for remote jobs uh, because there wasn't really any Ruby jobs around me. Uh, and that's when I got hired at Fish Me. Uh, they have a Rails 
application that sends phishing emails uh, so that your company can sort of train your employees not to uh, click bad emails. <laughs> and uh, they actually rebranded recently to CoFence. But yeah, so I worked there for a couple of years and then I moved on to Basecamp for a two and a half years and now I've been at GitHub. Awesome. Uh, Fish me. I didn't know what they did. I just had a little like thing I put over my laptop camera from them. That's really fascinating <laughs> yeah. to know what they do. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. seeing all the job postings from them for years. Um, so cool. So uh, when did so you, you're actively like you're you are Rails core, correct? So uh, I'm I'm assuming that you know you didn't just wake up one day and you were on Rails core. How uh, how did I guess the process of like you starting to even just contribute to Rails begin? Yeah, so I I don't know what possessed me to start writing talks, but um, and it, if if you know me like longer, you you'd say that that's kind of weird. Like my mom is always like, I can't believe you give talks at conferences because I used to be terrified of public speaking, partially because I had a few bad experiences in high school with it that just like didn't go well. Um, <laughs> and so I just used to think that if I tried to talk at a conference, I would die from it, from just the act of trying to speak at a conference. Yep, I, but eventually, I know exactly what you're saying. Eventually, I convinced myself that if I wanted my career to go in the direction that it has gone in, that I had to start speaking at conferences because being visible is how you can move through jobs that you want and like without having to, you know, whiteboard, <laughs> I guess. I, I That seems like a weird way to put it, but it's kind of like, it gives you more credibility for what you're doing. So this seems like a, I went off a tangent, but this is part of the reason I ended up on Rails Core. So I wrote a talk about Active Record and uh, it had to do with, how we assume that Active Record just like knows how to not take down our database, but that's not true. And so it's not Active Record's fault if you wrote a terrible query. And so what it did is it went through CRUD and looked at each of the different ways in which uh, Active, at which you can break your database with Active Record and what's a better way to do it. So with the create, uh, you if you're trying to create a million records and you're putting a lot of stuff into memory, you're going to take down your application, but it, you can use you can write a batch insert query instead. I mean, Active Record doesn't actually have batch insert, but I was showing how you could do it without Active Record to do a batch insert um, instead of the instead of taking your database down. And in that, uh, in the delete, I actually found a bug in Rails. Um, actually, I found two bugs. <laughs> One was that if you didn't load the records first, it would in the console, it would it would not uh, it would do a different query than if you did load the records, and in your application, you actually load all the records. So it's kind of like it would hide the bug in the console. And then the second bug was that the delete all uh, was actually extremely slow because it was not it was uh, it was not doing the query correctly, and I can't remember exactly what we changed, but to fix that. But, uh, so I gave that talk and Aaron Patterson was at that conference. It was at, um, Mountain West Ruby. And he was like, 
oh, that's a bug. Let's fix it. And so we started pairing on fixing that bug. And then, I don't know, four years, five years later, we're still pairing on Rails stuff. So that's kind of how I got into contributing to Rails. And, you know, it's just getting on like the Rails core team is not an easy process. You basically have to, you know, figure out like how Rails works and how the processes work and then contribute a lot and then eventually like build a couple features that you're then responsible for for life. Sure. <laughs> like, um, and that's sort of the, the process because, you know, we don't want anyone on Rails core to only have one like understanding of one framework because you know there's not there's not a, there's not a lot of us so we so, and we have so many frameworks that we kind of have to share that responsibility of having a lot of experience in at least two of the frameworks in rails gotcha um i remember uh my first rails conf was 2015 atlanta and you did a workshop on contributing to Rails. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this. And then I went and I watched it. I was like, this is awesome. And then I chickened out. And four years later, I still never tried. Uh, but uh, that's awesome. So that's also really cool that like your first talk, you find a bug. And then like Aaron's right there. It's like, let's work on it. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was like one of those... Uh moments that you like can't create <laughs> right you know if it had been any other conference like you probably maybe he wouldn't have been there and it would just be like i'd be like i, I don't know i think i didn't even realize it was a bug at first i was just like this is weird <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um so you said you were at base camp for two years uh yeah i think it was two and a half about yeah did uh did your time there like allow you to work on rails more. Yeah, somewhat. So I was on the security infrastructure and performance team and generally our team worked on the other apps, um, keeping them up to date. And I did a lot of, uh, hacker one, uh, triaging, uh, which was interesting. Uh, <laughs> I don't exactly like doing security. I mean, it's a really important thing, but it's like a super stressful role to have in an organization. Uh, so I'm glad that I don't really do security anymore. Sure. Uh, we have an entire team for that at GitHub and it's great and I'm not on it. So, uh, but I would do, I would do a lot of the upgrades for Basecamp three. Uh, and through that, like we'd sometimes find bugs and I'd fix those or, um, System testing was mostly written on uh, Basecamp time. Uh, although it was like I transferred from Basecamp to GitHub and I hadn't finished system testing. So I had like a lot of work to do uh, that I ended up doing some weekend time on. But I'd say I do a lot more open source now uh, because that's sort of the role. That's the role of our team. Uh, we don't do we don't do full-time open source, but we are always looking at what is in the GitHub application that doesn't belong there that we can upstream and what do we need in the future for rails to be useful, continue to be useful to us. So that, and then adding that stuff, uh, we're not quite at like the future point yet, but uh, I really, that's my vision for our team. And once we get through some of the stuff that we're working on now, which is improving the current code base, 
by extracting stuff. I'd love, I want us to like start looking towards the future and saying like, what do we need to scale rails or what do we need uh, so that these two protocols can talk to each other or, you know, just thinking ahead of how we can make rails useful for the long term. That's awesome. That, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that's recently like GitHub just went through a big upgrade. Like it is running five now, right? Yeah, we're running 5.2.2 in production and we have a second bill that is running against Rails Master. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. That runs every day. And my hope, I mean, I don't see a reason why this shouldn't happen, but um, we will start testing the betas and find any performance issues in production. And then on the day that we're on Rails 6, we will deploy Rails 6. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I bet that helps with also... Like now that you're at that point, being able to kind of help push forward because you're not, you're not trying to get everything caught up. Yeah, it's great. I mean, also just, just being on five two within the first couple of weeks, but like I think four or five engineers at GitHub got their first commit to Rails. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because they found a bug or they're like, oh, I want this feature, and it's just really nice to see us it, not just able to contribute but actively want to um it's just a really good feeling to see because upgrading sucks i'm not going to sugarcoat it uh it was awful and (laughs) hopefully my talk to rails comp will be accepted and you can all hear like some of the awful stuff that we did but oh great upgrading is really hard but once you're upgraded if you can stay there the impact that it has on your organization and on rails and on everything is so massive that it pays in dividends for what, for just doing the upgrade. I could see that. Uh, my first like full-time rails job, uh, like we had a rails maybe four, one at the time application, but like the legacy app that like a lot of the companies still use was rails 2.0.2. Oh my God. Yeah. So like my first day there, like I went to do like a, I think it was just like a where query and it was like, what are you talking about? Uh, you have to say like dot find and then give conditions. And I was like, I don't, I don't even understand this. Uh, it was an adventure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so kind of touch on like system test. Uh, that's kind of one of the big features. I believe you spearheaded, correct? Uh, also one coming out that I saw you talk on, I think it was at RailsConf, was parallel testing. And I would just like to hear kind of more about where you like saw the need for that and like how you implement it, things like that. <laughs> um, so parallel testing is like one of those things that my name is on, but Aaron did most of the work. <laughs> cool um it's like kind of one of those classic things where uh one of us like this is how a lot of the work gets done that we both do one of us has an idea we help each other implement it and then one of us ends up like pushing it to the finish line and like getting most of the credit and like and also the blame because like for a couple of months like every time like something didn't work right david was like uh lean this isn't working right i was like i didn't even write this (laughs) part of the code (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, we worked together on it. It was, so, uh, 
DHH wanted it for a while. And originally, someone else was interested in it. I think it was Arthur uh, was interested in working on it. But then his role in GitHub changed. So he didn't have the bandwidth to work on that. And so it kind of got assigned to Aaron. And then because he was also at GitHub. And then it got, you know, I worked on it too because I was on Aaron. I'm on Aaron's team. But um, it was sort of, so we, we did is used uh, Ruby's DRB uh, library to um, to create the different processes f- to run the tests in. And then once that little script was done, uh, the part that I helped work on the most was the the support for the databases. So when you're using multiple processes, you need the application to create a database for each process to run the tests in so that it can split up the work. And so we added a hook into the parallel testing that uh, creates the databases and then cleans them up at the end. And what's nice about it is uh, we were, um, it works now that I added the multiple database support, it actually just works out of the box. So in my RailsConf talk, I talked about, oh, here's how you support multiple databases, blah, blah, blah. But we actually don't need to do that at all anymore. Uh, and now just works in Rails 6. So all of your databases should be created and torn down without oh, you having awesome. to add anything to your application. That's really cool. Uh, so I use, at work, I use the parallel test, Jim. Uh, and like you have to run a script and it, I'm sure you're familiar with all this. It like creates, uh, all the extra databases you need, but then like anytime you run a migration, you have to like run another command for it to like go through all those databases and run those migrations. So that sounds nice that like rails will just do that for you. Yeah. It, so it creates them and then it uses the schema dump. Uh, to fill in the database. So you don't even have to wait for migrations to run. And then at the end, it just cleans them up. So every time you run the suite, it creates new databases. Uh, so then you don't even have to worry about running migrations because it's like, because we use the schema to fill the database, it's theoretically very fast. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I am, I'm very excited about that. I think even in like my email asking you to come on the show, I was telling you I'm excited about that. Uh, yeah, it'll be a good feature. It, it, it's like an easy, an easy win for um, people with like powerful computers, kind of like air quoting here, and like slow test suites. Like, it's an easy win for an organization just to be able to improve like output. I think so. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Uh, so, have just uh, a couple more questions for you. Um, so we. In my in my life, in my influence of friends, I uh, I don't really know anyone on Rails Core, so I was just curious uh, if you can and you wouldn't mind explaining like kind of like what that process is like. Uh, I think you mentioned that like at at minimum like one person knows two frameworks kind of thing. Like um, I'd be curious more about like how you like kind of decide on features as like a group, things like that. Um. I feel like I'm going to burst everyone's bubble. Like (laughs) everyone thinks that Rails core is really coordinated, (laughs) but really the features that go into the next version of Rails are the ones that we personally are most excited about. If I didn't want to work on multiple databases, it would not be in Rails 6. 
because there isn't anyone else who had the bandwidth to do it. Um, and it's been on the list for a long time of, oh, it would be nice to have. And I think one of the reasons that it never got done was because everyone tried to solve the hardest problems first instead of the easiest problems first. Um, so for me, I looked at it and I said, well, what's the easiest thing that I can solve? And the first was migrations in multiple directories. And then what's the second easiest thing I can solve? Oh, like let's make the the rake tasks actually work with multiple databases. So then, you know, at the bare minimum, you can delete a couple hundred lines of code if you're using multiple databases. But then I found like the big massive problem, which was the configurations don't work if you're using the three tier with the multiple databases. So rewriting, I had to rewrite how configurations work in Rails, which was fun. Uh, and if you're listening and you are changing, like touching the configurations hash, you need to know in Rails 6, it's an object and it's not a hash. You can get a hash back, but it's an object. And so you're going to have to work with the object because we are going to remove the ability to 2H it eventually. But um, right now we have the 2H in place uh, for single single tier databases, but if, or double, like the normal, your normal database YAML. But if you're using the new three tier database YAML for multiple databases, then well, okay, you probably aren't because it was broken. Okay. So like I fixed it. I fixed it, but it's not a hash anymore. So I think that that's like, I would be surprised if anyone was using it because it actually, the like your Rails app wouldn't be able to boot if you were because uh, of something in Rails. So I don't think that anyone is actually using a three-tier config. I mean, we aren't at GitHub either. So uh, I suspect that it's not going to actually break anyone's application because it wasn't working before. But anyway, that's just that was the that was the hardest thing because like we had to teach Rails about what the default database is when you have a three-tier config because it didn't know. Because in a regular application, like in a single database application, it's just the environment that you're in. It's just development or it's just production. But if you have multiple databases in production, which one's the default? And so yeah. Rails didn't know. And we had to teach Rails. <clears throat> For anybody that doesn't know, like, could you give an example of how you might lay out that in production if you're going to have multiple databases? Yeah, well, under, yeah, under the production tag in the database YAML, you would have primary, and that would be your main database that you already have. That was your original production database. And then you would have a primary read-only, or you'd have... So like at GitHub, we have 10 primary databases that have different tables in each of them. Uh, so we would have production and then the next key would be primary, primary read only. Uh, I'll make up a name, animals. We don't actually have an animals database, but animals, animals read only. And then in those, we would tell it, we would tell the structure, we would give it each of those their own structure file and that would tell it what tables are in those databases. Um, so in that three tier where you have a second key under the environment, before you actually define the database structure, uh, the before you define like the name, uh, username, password, whatever, uh, for multiple databases, we introduced a three tier configuration in Rails 5.2, I think, or 5.0, but it doesn't work. So <laughs> it works in six. That's funny. <clears throat> so then does Active Record know uh, automatically basically um, which models are in which database? 
Yeah, as long so then you what you would do after you set up the databases, you would create a parent model. So you would have something called like animals base, mm-hmm. and you would say um, we have a new API for connecting multiple databases. So there's a method. So instead of established connection, you're going to use connects to, and then a role for that. So writing, and then the name of the database. So it would be connects to writing. Uh, primary reading, primary read only. And so once you set that up, any model that inherits from that animals base will connect to the animals database and you don't have to do anything else. Gotcha. So it's kind of like, you know, multiple application record uh, things that you would inherit from just to organize that. That sounds pretty easy. Yeah, it should be easy, hopefully. <laughs> Got to write some uh, documentation, but... Yeah, how, how's, how's the documentation process go for uh, these new features like that? Uh, I try to write docs when I'm working on it, but some of the stuff is in so much flux and evolution that um, we're going to write... We, you, we usually look through documentation before a release uh, and, you know, fix it, write write more, figure out where it's, where it's missing, add some guides. Um, yeah, that's usually how we do it. Mm. And then are, are there like um, open tickets people can, or you guys organize it in milestones, right? On GitHub for like rail six, uh, kind of like stuff that needs to get done uh, that people can keep an eye on or like find a place to go contribute docs if they wanted to, try and help out um we don't have any we don't usually create issues like that but that probably would be a good idea because i think the documentation is best written by someone who's never used the feature because then they can be like this is what's confusing and this is how it's hard and um yeah i've seen i've seen a couple people go and do that and just make like huge contributions to the guides because it's like well you know, if you've never used it before, then you know exactly the right questions to ask and like the right things to think about when you're like, well, how do I even do this? And you can, you ask that question. Whereas if you're already familiar with the code, you're probably not going to be able to do that very easily because you kind of yeah. already know it all. <laughs> yep. Uh, so going back to what I guess you, you were saying earlier, it makes sense that like what gets worked on is kind of what people want in rails because at the same time, like you all do this out of like the goodness of your heart. So like uh, it makes sense that you'd be most encouraged to like give your time by doing what interests you, which I think makes sense and is very cool. Yeah. It's what interests us or like what we need for to do our jobs better. Um, Yeah. You know, like some of the new frameworks in, Rail six like came straight out of Basecamp work that uh, DHH said. Oh well, this I write. I've written this for four applications in a row, so it's time to extract it. Uh, so that's that's where that kind of stuff comes from. Uh, but for for the stuff coming out of GitHub, it's really currently driven by what do I want to get out of our application. Because we were on old versions for so long, there's a lot of tooling written into the app that should have never been there um, because it's not it has nothing to do with the application, and it just has to do with 
it's really stuff that should be in the framework. So because it's, oh, multiple databases. Well, what if we have a second application that's Rails that needs multiple databases? Are we going to rewrite all of that code? That's crazy. And the thing is, we like I've found applications where we did that, where we actually rewrote all of that code. Oh, and, wow. And it was like, okay, well, we it's silly. We shouldn't do that. So uh, trying to extract that stuff so that we can clean up those applications and then you know, really start to look at what's next. And I think that a lot of the contributions from GitHub for now are going to be extractions from our code base, uh, rewritten to be a little better, uh, <laughs> a little bit less GitHub-like. So sometimes we have stuff that we really can't upstream because it's very GitHub specific, but you know, making sure that when we write that feature into Rails, adding the hooks that someone would need to be able to do that work. So then we can still delete a lot of code, but keep our, the way we do things, our proprietary stuff. So like one of the things that we do is we automatically switch whether we're reading or writing. Uh, I mean, sorry, uh, reading from the replica or reading from the primary, because if you've just written to your primary database, your replicas might not be caught up. So you don't want to necessarily send your users to the replica. Uh, but the way we calculate replication lag is very specific to our databases. That's not something we'd want to upstream, but we can upstream the automatic switching with like hooks that you would just write in your own application. What, what, when, when the applications should switch. So that's one of those things where like, we kind of have to split the feature in half between what GitHub needs and what Rails needs. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm sure there's a lot of features like that, that you you effectively are building in the sort of like, here's a new API you can plug into. This is what it's used for. How you're going to do it specifically is always going to be different, but you know, make it easy to, uh, to add your own custom thing in there. Um, are there any other cool new things that are sort of on the agenda to extract? Uh, I don't want to make any promises, so I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> no, it was a good question, Chris. I was, I was rooting for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I'm really excited to see though, like what comes out of GitHub into rails. It'll be, it'll be nice to like have one more like major player like that, like pushing into rails. It, it's encouraging as someone who write, write, writes rails. So. Um, my last question, uh, Chris, unless you have any more questions you want to ask real quick. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, I'm just curious, like, uh, so you, you know, you work at GitHub, your, uh, rails core. Imagine that's a lot of like, uh, a lot of time just doing open source too. But like when you're not coding, uh, what are things like you and you enjoy out of life? Um, well, I recently got a Nintendo switch. <laughs> I, I, I was never a gamer before, but I really enjoyed like fighting with Zelda. <laughs> like the game is very hard. Uh, uh, so sometimes I spend time doing that. Um, uh, let's see. I am a big fan of food <laughs> and eating it, which sounds like kind of silly, but uh, you know, I like to go to different restaurants and like, try what food they have um especially if there's like a new one in the area or if they've got like a fun tasting menu 
like one of my favorite things to do is just like go with a another couple and like just hang out and chill kind of like uh if you've ever been to europe and you've gone to dinner and then sat there for like four hours <laughs> mm, and yeah, yeah. i realized like why don't i do this more often because <laughs> uh i went to paris this summer and like every dinner we had was just we just like sat there forever eating and drinking wine and and it was kind of the kind of thing where where you're like why don't i do this more often this is so fun and the waitress isn't trying to make me leave. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, li- I like to sometimes do that in the U.S. and like sort of pretend that I'm in Europe. <laughs> yeah, I wish we did more of that here. It's like really enjoyable just to hang out for a while and do that. But there's not part of the culture here very – not much at least. Yeah, yeah. Chris, so- Chris and I will just sit at McDonald's for hours. <laughs> Did you know that McDonald's is apparently designed to make you want to leave? No. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I read but I didn't that somewhere. That. that like it's the way the music and the lighting and everything in there is designed so that you don't want to spend hours there because they want people to like leave. Huh. I mean, I'm literally there's literally nothing that company does that like surprises me. So <laughs> wow. It wouldn't surprise me. That's pretty funny. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, before you go, where can anyone listening find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me anywhere at Eileen Codes. That's Twitter, GitHub, whatever. I blog. <laughs> anywhere that I want you to find me, I'm <laughs> <Eileen> Codes. <laughs> awesome. Easy. Well, thanks again. And uh, Chris, we will we'll do this again soon. All righty.